Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Friday, February 14th. S&P futures are trading up about four points. That's about 13 basis points. Europe is about unchanged on the day, although it's creeping higher. Um, and Asia generally did well, although Japan and India finished in the red. So as far as macro news is concerned, there's essentially nothing out this morning that's really all that interesting. Um, you had some eco data out of Europe that was very uneventful. Um, you know, China p- published its latest coronavirus case count number. Um, you know, again, I think markets are somewhat inured to to that news for the time being. Um, and they're just kind of waiting to see how it unfolds going forward. I think the World Health Organization yesterday around midday provided an update on the new methodology screening that China is utilizing and just talking about how, you know, it really doesn't represent an expansion of the epidemic of the crisis. It's just kind of greater transparency, et cetera. So, um, you know, I think markets are, are not too unnerved by, um, by the news out of China yesterday morning, obviously, as you saw from the U.S. trading pattern and then this morning's price action. Um, and I think markets in general have kind of written off all of Q1 as far as earnings and economic growth are concerned. They appreciate that it's going to be enormously disrupted by coronavirus effects globally. Um, investors are so confident that this will be confined to Q1 that you'll see trends start to normalize in Q2. Um, you know that 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 could turn out to be too optimistic, but I think it's going to be several more weeks or months before you start to see more updates out of corporates um, and some more eco data just to get a sense of how it's really unfolding. Um, you know, and I think I, I think for the time being, that's why you're going to see markets be less reactive to um, you know a lot of the coronavirus news. Um, so that really is kind of it in terms of macro stuff to talk about today. Um, no major central bank headlines developments out overnight. Um, nothing too major on the political front either. Um, although, you know, if Trump and Bloomberg have certainly been exchanging some very entertaining tweets over the last 24 hours. Um, and then, you know, I think personally the next major event for this market will be the, the, um, Nevada caucus is coming up next Saturday on the 22nd. I think a big part of why the S&P has held in so well um, and has been trading well has been, um, you know, this 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 theory that Bernie's momentum is going to almost guarantee a second Trump term should he capture the nomination. So it's not just Bernie's momentum, but also the fact that you haven't seen any one person decisively break out, which means you could have a contentious primary um, that could head all the way into the convention. So to the extent Bernie underperforms in Nevada now, the bar for Bernie is very high. I think expectations are high. Um, the first two states, Iowa and New Hampshire, are are, are certainly tailor-made for him. Um, he was always supposed to do well there. But should he underperform in Nevada, um, you know, a state where Biden is still polling in the lead, although that's been drifting lower, um, you know, I, I think that could definitely disrupt what, it, what are very complacent expectations around um, the political narrative. And that, to me, is kind of the, the biggest risk at the moment um, for the market, where if you start to see signs that Bernie is faltering and or you start to see support coalesce around one of these, quote unquote, more centrist Democrats, 
um, that can certainly, I think, recalibrate what people are thinking about the upcoming election. Um, so that to me is kind of the next real big major macro test for this market. And that's next Saturday um, on the caucus. On the micro front, you did have a lot of earnings out of the U.S. last night. Um, you know, mostly relatively small companies were at the very, very, very tail end of the calendar Q4 earnings season. I don't think investors are learning anything new about Q4. Um, you did get NVIDIA, which is the latest January end earnings report, and it was very strong, um, very strong data center numbers. And then the guidance for the April end quarter also was very good. And, it was, and the guidance even beat the street, and they, and they actually assumed um, $100 million of coronavirus headwinds. So, um, you know, very strong all around. Um, the data center numbers comport with what Intel reported a couple of weeks ago. So just explosive data center sales reports um, in, in the Q4 period, based on what we've seen. Um, it's interesting that you've seen a lot of kind of, quote unquote, growth companies, software companies report earnings and then issue very poor earnings guidance for 2020, um, but solid top line growth. And, and management teams are justifying it as they have to invest to drive the business and grow the top line. And the stocks have been rewarded um, you know, with big rallies. So Shopify was one, HubSpot's another one, uh, Roku last night was another one. We'll see how that trades today. It's just very interesting, um, you know, the type of reaction I think these companies are getting where the earnings guidance is very, very bad, but, you know, investors clearly are rewarding the top line growth. Um, in Europe today, a couple more, you know, a, a few earnings. RBS is probably the big downside standout. Stock's getting hit. AstraZeneca and Renault both opened up lower after earnings, but they've since kind of rebounded to flat. Um, and then that is essentially it on the micro front. Uh, for the calendar today in the US, there's not nothing major other than a few re, uh, eco numbers. You have retail sales for January at 8.30, you have industrial production at 9.15, and you have Michigan sentiment at 10 a.m. Um, I, I uh, don't think any of those will really move markets. And then there's really no major earnings out of the US today. Um, and then just quickly into next week, like I said before, I think I think the Nevada caucus is going to probably be the bit, the biggest major macro event. Um, just like I said, I think uh, the state of political expectations to me is the most uh, is the biggest area of vulnerability for the market. Um, but you also are going to have flash PMIs for February. That's next Friday, the twenty first. So that's going to be kind of the first major look at the state of growth in February. So I suspect you're going to see a lot of disruptions around the coronavirus. Um, so that, that people, all have, all, people will be watching that closely. You get more January and earnings. So for me, the big ones are going to be Walmart Tuesday morning, uh, analog devices Wednesday morning, and then Deer Friday morning. You have another Democratic debate. That's Wednesday night on the 19th. You're going to have minutes from the FOMC and the ECB. And then China's loan prime rate, which ha has become their kind of mo most prominent rate set by the government. They set that every month. So that is going to be set next Thursday morning on the 20th, and they're likely to cut it. So I think you're going to, um, you know, you are going to see China, I think, provide more monetary accommodation to help offset some of the coronavirus effects. Um, so that's Thursday morning on the 20th. And that is really it for today. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening.